0: Good morning, welcome to Grace Church. Noah Watley, would you please come forward? Thank you very much. Well, I'm up here, so that usually means quizzing, um, and it does seem like just yesterday that we were quizzing at Nationals in Branson, Missouri. But a new quiz year has already started, and this year the study is select verses from First Kings and Proverbs. It is also Noah's first year in senior quizzing. So Senior Quizzing is a ministry of the UPCI Youth Division, and it's very different from Junior Quizzing. It has a very steep learning curve. In Senior Quizzing, they aim to ensure that the quizzer truly understands the verses, the context in which they were written, who they were written for, why, and it leads to a richer understanding of God's Word, but it also means a lot more time studying. And this year Noah's teamed up with the uh, Pentecostals of Alexandria quiz program to quiz with their senior division and they had their first tournament yesterday in Denham Springs. And his team, both first-year senior quizzers, placed second overall and Noah had the second highest score of points per game average. <laughs> such a steep learning curve that's a very difficult thing to achieve but Noah's committed and he's putting in time and work and effort and I could not be prouder of him Um, so like I said this is the first tournament of the year for seniors the first junior tournament is coming up in a couple of weeks we appreciate your time um, and your support of quizzing and uh, we um, covet your prayers so thank you so much
1: Well, good morning, Grace Church. How is everybody today? I want to take this opportunity to welcome everybody to the house of the Lord this morning. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook live. We are so glad that you've chosen to be a part of our service today. I know it'll be a blessing. I want to remind you of two quick things before we start our worship service. Our 21 days of sacrifice continues through January 23rd. Thank you for being faithful to that, participating. We are going to reap uh, from this time of sowing uh, uh, by means of 21 days of sacrifice. So be, uh, be faithful to that and thank you. Also, this Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary, Tuesday morning prayer. If you can be here, we want you to come and help us pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. I was thinking about the old song that says, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. So why don't you look at your neighbor and tell him, say, I have a plan to praise. Oh, I came with intention. I came with a desire, and I have a plan to praise. Are you going to help us praise the Lord today? The praise team is leading us into his presence. Let's worship the Lord together.
2: Everybody let's praise you. Neighbor, a fist bump, and tell him I'm happy to see you. Thank the Lord. Lord. Look at your neighbor again, and tell him I like your hair, dude. There's some of us today that are kind of hair challenged, and uh, so if somebody said they like your hair, dude there's really no hair to to do with just appreciate the kind gesture thank the Lord great to see everybody here today thank y'all so much for coming for being on campus with us today we're so glad and thankful to see all of you thank the Lord everybody all of our guests we're so glad you're here those of you watching Facebook live live stream we're so thankful to have you a part of the Grace Church experience today as well Thank the Lord. I'm gonna ask you to remain standing just for a moment. Uh, I do want to make one quick comment on how just proud uh, I am, Sister Murphy, uh, Chris, and Casey, of uh, our Noah Christopher yesterday, just completely blowing it out of the park at that Bible Quizzing Tournament. I have to congratulate him. That was really amazing. <laughs> Thank the Lord. The as Courtney said, the, the the bracket he's in now with, with senior Bible quizzing, they have to learn far more verses. Uh, I don't know how they do it. Uh, those of you that have participated in quizzing, you'll understand what I'm saying, but I just don't know how they do it. And uh, for this to be kind of a novice year for him as a senior quizzer, uh, for him and Nathaniel, who's a part of the uh, POA For them to finish second yesterday in that tournament was just mind-boggling to me. As a matter of fact, uh, the only team they lost to, they lost two quizzes to the same team which eliminated them, the only team they lost to was a national champion last year. And they only lost by just a few points. As a matter of fact, both quizzes went down to the last question and whoever got it right won the quiz. That's how closely they played the national champion from last year. Proud of Noah, doing a great job. Amen. Thank the Lord. We're, again, we're glad to have you. Uh, we need to have just a moment for prayer here for, for a moment. Um, <clears throat> Jay Arnold is Melanie's brother. Him and his daughter and son are very, very sick this morning, and they've requested prayer. We've all had the surge of, of, of sickness. We're all aware of that. And uh, But when somebody asks, would you pray for me and my family, we're going to pause in service and do that. Amen. And I'm sure a lot of you know people that are sick we have some that's out today with sickness and we all just keep sharing it if we could share the gospel like we do a virus we would have won the world by now wouldn't we amen thank the lord but let's pray for jay and uh, his two kids today shall we let's take a moment father we love you today we're thankful for the privilege the opportunity to call on you in prayer uh to bring to you needs that we have that are legitimate that are sincere that need your attention We pray for Jay and his two kids today. We pray, God, for divine intervention. We pray for divine healing. We pray that the work of God would be done. I'm thankful for his faith and believing in the power of prayer. And we pray, God, that you honor it in the name of Jesus. We ask you to heal, to heal totally, to heal completely in the name of Jesus. You believe God heard that prayer? Believe God heard it, I do. We are extremely honored today to have Brother A.J. Holloway and his wonderful, wonderful family. Uh, They were right here. I guess they got raptured and all of us got left. Is that what just happened, I guess? But uh, him and his wife, three beautiful, amazing, adorable children. We're so glad they're here today. And I am confident that we're going to hear from the Lord today. I am very confident we're going to hear from God today. Brother Holloway is incredible minister really plugged in very sensitive to the holy ghost and he's ministered to our congregation every time he's been here and i came today i prayed today said god i've come today to hear the word of the lord i've come for that reason i want to hear the voice of god today can we welcome brother holloway as he comes to preach for us today
3: didn't get raptured i'm pretty sure there's no diapers in heaven and i think that's where she's at i think she's out changing a diaper so i'm thankful for her i'm very thankful that my wife we we do ministry together Uh, she has the ministry of motherhood and she watches babies on sundays so that i can be about the word and to be about prayer and i'm thankful for her she helps me so i honor her today i honor all of you for being here did you realize that it takes more faith nowadays to be in the house of god than it's ever taken because you came during a pandemic and at the same token there's more faith in the world than i've ever seen right now i was at the airport recently and i looked at a lady wearing a mask and i said ma'am i love your faith she looked at me funny and i said have you ever seen covid 19. she said well no i said how do you know it exists she said well everybody's getting getting it and i said they're showing signs of getting it aren't they and she said yes and i said that's faith i said that is all you need for the holy ghost that's it. That's right there. Our world is easier to reach right now than it's ever been. Right now, at this very moment. So, the faith you brought here during a pandemic is all you need to get a word from God. That's it. You have everything you need right now to hear the word of God. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus. I honor you, I honor Pastor, I honor you, Assistant. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. I'm very honored. If you can just remain standing for a few moments, I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 16, I'm going to verse 17. I want to honor the Bible quizzers. I don't believe there's such a thing as second place, third place, fourth place when you're a Bible quizzer because there is no such thing as losing when you're memorizing Scripture. You just, you don't lose. You just don't. Uh, This book right here over the past four years has saved my life. It has anchored me. It has kept me. When my thoughts were going off way over here, the Word of God brought them back and kept me centered. I am fully indebted, and I cannot wait to wrap my arms around the Word in heaven someday. and So I want to do that today. I want to minister from a book that has saved my life. And he's no respecter of persons. If he did it for me, I absolutely know, according to this book, he'll do it for you. Amen. And I want to, I want to hone in on something that unfortunately has become elementary and it should have never gotten elementary. And I want to minister about that today. And I want to pull it from this passage. It says, then the children of Israel did so and gathered, look at this, some more, some less so when they measured it by omers he who gathered much had nothing left over he who gathered little had no lack every man had gathered according to each one's need and Moses said let no one leave any of it till morning nevertheless they did not heed Moses but some of them left part of it until morning and it bred worms and stank and Moses was angry with them This passage is talking about manna that had just rained from heaven for these people. And I want to extract from this passage, and I want to minister using this title, monopolizing manna, because that's what's taking place here. Some gathered a bunch, some gathered very little. And there was a monopoly on something that God graciously gave. And I want to show you who actually holds the monopoly to manna. So this is what I ask of you. I want you to raise your hands. and. I'm constantly looking for ways to get into the presence of God. And when I go into my prayer time, I have found that one of the quickest ways to get in God's presence is to humble myself, to realize I'm really nothing in the grand scheme of things, and then to praise Him for all that He is. God, you're my provider. God, I'm not a good preacher. You are. God, you've put word in me, and I just want to give it. God, everything that I could ever possibly long to be it's in you, and I recognize I am nothing without you. Can you just praise him with me? God, you're the source of everything that I need. You're my healer. Lord, you're my keeper. You're my counselor. God, you are my peace. And if there's ever been our time in our world where we needed peace. It's now, and you are that, God. You are my rest. You are my Sabbath. I give you praise for all that you are. Lord, I'm not asking you to perform today. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just asking you to come in the room and be what you already are. Just come in this room and be everything that you've already showed us you will be. Come and be that for each person. Someone may need peace. Come and be that for them. Lord, somebody need, may need provision. Come and be that for them. Somebody may need a healing. Be that for them. God, we're not asking you to do tricks for us. We're not asking you to jump through hoops. I just want you to be what you are, and I praise you now for that. Can you just lift up your voice and praise the all-sufficient God. God, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for all that you are. In the name of Jesus, you can be seated. The passage of scripture here in Exodus 16 is a bit of a conundrum to me that I feel pokes fun at the humanity that we are. It's, it's human of us to forget so easily the amazing grace of God. And I presented this to you today and I said that I'm gonna talk about something that is elementary that should have never become elementary. Things become elementary because we don't do it all the time. What is elementary is what we've gone through what we've passed from one grade to the next and we look at first grade as elementary because we're in 12th grade or we're graduated but that does not negate first grade amen grace is something that i feel especially nowadays is getting more and more forgotten especially to a wealthy society a blessed society americans it's very easy for us to forget about grace and we see this conundrum right here with the Israelite people. You see, it has only been a mere 31 days at the point of Exodus 16 that God's grace rescued them from oppression, from tyranny, from Pharaoh, and a cold reality in the world that they called Egypt. 31 days is all that it took for them to forget about all of that to the point where the passage says right here that they began to complain. They began to get frustrated with God. In fact, Exodus 16, 2 tells us, Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. All it took was 31 days for people to forget about how gracious God was. God delivered them from oppression. He delivered them from tyranny. And all it took was 31 days for them to get frustrated at grace. And yet, an unchanging God would respond to their fallible immaturity in a manner congruent to His very nature in Exodus 16 verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. What kind of a God hears complaining and responds with raining? What kind of God does this? I am a parent. We have had four children. And when my children wake up in the morning and they're complaining about their breakfast, do you know what I do? I take their breakfast from them, I put it on the bar, and I said, until you can go back in your room, come back out, and then I want, we're going to do this whole morning thing all over again. That's what I tell our kids. Have any parents ever done that? You are blessed, kid. You've got all the cereal you could ever want in the world. How dare you come out here and complain about what you've been offered. God doesn't even do that. He hears complaining and he responds with raining. What kind of a God? Only a God that will match his mercy with his response. That's the only God that we expect on the pages. And this is Old Testament, mind you moses whom the bible labels as the meekest man to ever walk the earth would be the first first recipient in this narrative to receive a revelation of the pure and gracious nature of his god as he would witness firsthand a god who hears complaining and responds with bread from heaven truly he is a good father that when his child would ask for bread would not retaliate with a stone Surely this is a good God and we made a very good decision 31 days ago leaving Egypt to follow him. If he would respond with bread from heaven to our complaining, surely I can live for this God. Let me now show him my nature should be the appropriate response. The revelation came first to the humble man of God, but as the sun began to set and darkness would envelop the landscape, there would be a pure white substance that would descend noiselessly in the dark blanket of night. There was no thunder outside. There was no shaking. There was no earthquake. There was no whirlwind. There was no knocking on the doors. There was no one shaking their tents. It came down humbly and noiselessly and it descended pure white flakes of grace falling upon the ground, all laying there waiting patiently for the people who complained 24 hours prior to wake up from their sleep and to go out and to receive the grace that came in the darkest of night. This pure white substance would be an image of God's grace in response to immature fallible creatures who would complain 31 days after salvation and this would be the very nature of God because there was no thunder there was no shaking there was no whirlwind there's no need for that when grace begins to fall from heaven grace needs no announcement, grace needs no extravagant hand clap grace doesn't look for that but when grace comes it comes with what it's trying to give peace Grace, when it shows up, does not shake the building grace when it shows up doesn't make us fall out grace when it shows up does not demand an applause grace is meek that's why the meek was the first one to get the revelation of it because only what is in the image of grace can fully realize what is grace and that's why Moses the meekest man on the planet got a revelation before anybody else and he came to them and he said you shouldn't even be getting this because we're a bunch of complainers but this is the way God responds to fallible immature creatures he responds with raining from heaven and when they woke up the next morning they would look out and they would see all of this beauty covering the ground in Exodus 14 it says and when the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness mind you was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground the following morning those who complained would behold the revelation that was given to the meek ones and they would walk out and they would look some point in the darkest hours God sent us something from heaven some point in the darkest moment of our lives while we weren't even awake watching for it God sent this anyway he could have just wiped us out in our sleep and yet he rained this down for us it bewildered them so much that when they walked out inside their tent they said these words in Hebrew mana which in Hebrew means what is this I've never seen this before Pharaoh couldn't produce this for us we worked for the world and the world put more work on us. Here we are out here doing nothing but complaining and the new taskmaster, he's not so much a taskmaster as I suppose because look what he has done. I've not seen anything like this. What is this? And I'm afraid that we've gotten so far removed from the moment of an altar where we came up here not deserving God to touch us, not deserving of the King of Kings to even come into our presence and yet he did anyway. I'm afraid that we're getting too far removed from that that we come into our world and we demand our rights we've been conditioned to make demands we should not even be here we the people need to know and we've transitioned that mindset into the kingdom I don't need to know everything God is doing I don't need to know everything I just need to be with him because I shouldn't be with him and yet, somewhere in the darkest of my heart he rained down something on me that I was not worthy of and he gave it anyway I know this is elementary to some but it shouldn't be you wouldn't be in 12th grade if it weren't for first grade you wouldn't be here today if it weren't for grace you wouldn't even be here doing what we're doing if it weren't for grace we should not be here and yet God's grace came in the darkest moments and so I propose this to us today who is worried about the pandemic and governments because what I know from scripture is it's during the darkest hours that when you walk outside after the darkness has lifted something had fallen down in our midst where sin did abound what should we expect in this express moment here in the 21st century what did we expect when we go outside and we see the world losing its minds we should walk out and say ah god's about to respond with something that is congruent to his nature he's about to respond with something far greater every curse he's going to send down a blessing for it The following morning, they walked outside their tents. They witnessed a rain from heaven. Because God, when he sends grace, he always gives it visibly. What is grace without proof? He said I'm gonna let you know that grace has met your tent today I'm gonna let you know that when you walk outside your house you're gonna know that grace was here I'm not just gonna tell you about it I'm not just gonna tell you to trust it I'm gonna show you what grace looks like you're gonna be able to feel it you're gonna be able to taste it you're gonna be able to hear it you're gonna know all about it I'm gonna give you proof when grace shows up and this gracious gift from heaven was so amazing that they couldn't even perceive what it was and so they named it mana what is this and every Every time they took a bite they were reminded Sister Murphy said what is this goodness it is sweet it's like coriander it's like honey I shouldn't have this this doesn't happen in wilderness places this doesn't happen in darkness this is so good what is this and they, we've had people scientists have tried to figure out what manna was we cannot figure it out exactly what happened all we know is that it was purely from heaven and it was miraculous I've never seen anything like this what is this amazing i didn't hear it coming my tent wasn't rattled i wasn't shocked it fell humbly in the dark to which the man of god who first received the revelation of the father's goodness responds to them in verse 15 and he says this he says this is the bread which the lord has given you to eat this is the thing which the lord has commanded let every man gather it according to one's need one omer which is about two ounces go and grab or two quarts go and grab everyone according to your need an omer for each person according to the number of persons let every man not some not the ones who are worthy of it not the priest not the spiritual ones not the prayer warriors let every man take for those who are in his tent The true shepherd of God who has a revelation of the Father's heart and nature tells the people, there is grace and abundance out here. If there's any young ministers in here and you ever feel called to preach this good news, make sure you have the Father's heart. And when you go out and you teach a Bible study, you rub shoulders and you're working along somebody. And if you ever preach from a pulpit, make sure that your heart is in alignment with the Father's. And you say, there's grace and abundance here. It fell humbly in the dark. It didn't come with a shout. It didn't come with a trumpet. It didn't come with a loud voice. It needs no extravagant introduction. It's just here. And it's in abundance. This humble man of God tells them there's grace in abundance out there. Get up, go get it. I'm not going to collect it for you. This is for you and your household. You're going to have to get a revelation of what fell in the dark. You're going to have to go and get it yourself. Go and receive the grace that fell. Gather an omer for each person. Get some for your kids. Go and get some for your spouse. Go and get some for your household. When you go to church, bring home church i tell you what drives me a little bit crazy. It drives me a little bit crazy, and it's an arrogant statement that just kind of pushes my buttons a little bit. When people look at me and say, boy, we just didn't have good church. Have you read Revelations? You're the church. Church isn't a building. We found that out a, a year ago, didn't we? You're the church. Church is the Greek word, ecclesia. It means a gathering of people that are called out. If you didn't have good church, that means you weren't good. That's an arrogant statement. I cannot make a good service. I will not take that responsibility on myself. I will put myself in a proper place. And so what we need to do is we need to take home what we feel here. We need to bring the grace here home. Go out into the field, gather the omer, and then bring it and say, Babe, look, look what I found. Look at all this grace. Kids, look, look what I grabbed. The man of God said, this is for everybody. I I was just a guest. I didn't know this was for me. I thought that was just for the preacher. Those musicians and singers were anointed. I thought that was just for them. They told me I could bring this home today. This is for all of us. Look, here, some for you. Here's some patience for you. Here's some of God's nature that fell on me for you. You know what that sounds like that sounds like his kingdom here that sounds like his kingdom come his will be done on earth as it already existed up there that just came down here for us and so get some for your spouse get some for your family verse 17 then the children of israel did so and gathered some more some less. And this right here is where I wanted to hone in on, and I wanted to just I wanted to pull everything out of this that I could. What we see here is hungry people grumbling, frustrated, because that's what God saw. He didn't get angry. He said, They're just hungry. These are just hungry people. Remember that next time. Sinner's sin. Did you know that? That was like a revelation, like a freight train that hit me. Sinner's sin. Or sin. I have found out that saints mess up. You know what saint is? It's not clergy, lady. Saint is a holy one, a sanctified one, a set apart one. We're all saints. We have moments of frustration. We have felt it in the past year and a half. God, where are you at? Where are your miracles? Why are people dying? We have been frustrated because we've gotten away from first grade. God, by your grace, this took you by no surprise. You weren't walking around with a bucket of pandemic and just spilt it in heaven and said, oops, my bad. No, this happened by divine order. Read the rest of it. God said, I'm going to test the people to humble them to see if they will serve me or not. Why is it that God gave three plagues to Israel while they were in Egypt? Why? We th- didn't we think that that was for Egypt? The plagues were for Egypt is what we thought. No, no. Ten plagues were ten opportunities for Egypt to repent. That wasn't God beating up on Egypt. He said, maybe they'll repent on the second plague. No, I wish they would have. No, maybe the third plague. No, maybe not. And God hit Israel. God's people got hit with it three times. In nine months, they had to suffer three plagues. And this bothered me. I asked God one day in prayer, I said, God, why did you hit your people with the plagues? And this was God's response. He said, because I wanted Egypt to see how my people could handle it. Because when Egypt went and looked at Israel they would go back and give a report and say these people are steadfast unmovable, not complaining, still abounding, still having babies, still reaching the lost still loving us. And you know what the result of that was? That when the Israelites left Egypt there were Egyptians with them. They said oh it's far better to be with you and your God than it is to be here in this world with Pharaoh. We're going to follow you wherever you go. We're not your people we're not like you but we've that you can withstand plagues and we want to be with the ones who can handle problems. God has given us a gracious gift in the past two years and we are looking better to the world. You know why? Because when I walk into Starbucks or an airport and I'm whistling and having a good day, people look at me and say, why are you having such a good day? And I can look at them and say, I'm so glad you asked. I have been saved by the grace of God. I'm not worried about this pandemic. I'm burdened about it. I am hurt by the people that have passed away. But if I die, I'm straight to heaven because of the grace of God that rained down on me when I didn't deserve it this is the greatest blessing we have ever been given and I apologize if you have had somebody die from this pandemic but I believe in heaven some gathered some some gathered less they ran out of their tents some grabbing it by the armfuls, while others said I was the complainer I'm only worthy of a fistful I was the one who complained about this. I'm the biggest problem in Israel. I shouldn't even be in Israel. Cast me out into the wilderness. I don't belong to be here. This is all the grace I deserve. And some came in with more. Some came in with less. And the miracle that you need to realize is revealed to us in the very next verse. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no lack every man had gathered according to each one's need those that came in with a fistful put it on the scales and it still weighed two quarts. somebody came in with armfuls and put it on the scales and they looked and they said how can what i brought in here still weigh as much as what they brought in there and god would be standing there and he said you saw my nature in response to your frustration now you're seeing my other nature that i am equal in my grace I give it to whoever wants it, whoever comes and gets it, even if you don't think you're worthy of it and all you grab is a handful, it'll still weigh the same as somebody who grabbed fistfuls of it and grabbed armfuls worth of it. It's going to weigh the same miraculously because where it came from has equity and equality and it falls down on everybody, every ethnicity, every single person, no matter the gender, no matter the background, no matter the mistake. The same amount of grace is available to the harlot as it is to the preacher. The same amount of grace is available to the preacher who failed as it is to the newborn baby that's never failed. The same amount of grace is across the board today. And when you come in and say, I'm not worthy but a handful, God will measure it and say, looks like two quarts to me. I don't care what you think about yourself, God cares what you think about yourself, but he's responding and say, this is what I think about what you think of. And he drops it on the scales and he says, nope, still looks like the same amount. I'm giving it to whoever is hungry for it. In exact proportion to his grace, the equality of God would be revealed to each of them as some of them with armfuls came in and those with fistfuls, it all weighed the same. And in verse 19, Moses said, let no one leave it until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning and it bred worms and stank. This is the part right here that I see human nature starting to flourish out of the soil all over again. This is the part right here. We try to monopolize grace. This is what this is this is how a lot of denominations and false religions were even started i believe in religion because the bible talks about it in james pure religion undefiled before god is this religion's in the bible and it's good but a false religion comes along and says i'm going to monopolize grace i can put a price if i gather enough if i can hoard it back enough then if somebody comes in needing it i can sell it to them i can make a profit Off of this manna if I gather enough I can build a manna business I can build a big warehouse and fill it full of manna and so when people come along later looking for manna and can't get any because I bought it all up I can sell it to them and make a profit off of this And God said, no, no, I hold the rights to this invention. I am the one who owns the deed and the monopoly to manna. Go ahead, try to collect it. It will not last till the morning. You're going to have to rely on me to give it again tomorrow. I'm going to put you in full dependence on me. Everybody's looking for independence. The Bible is seeking for dependence. He said, I'm looking for you to depend on me. I'm not even going to let you save grace. We talk a lot about saving grace, and we're actually talking about saving grace. We're not talking about the grace that saves. We're talking about the grace we want to save. I want to store this up so that when I have a really bad day, I want to pray six hours a day so that when I have a bad day, it just kind of washes out at the end of the day. This is what we do. We treat fasting and prayer like a big vending machine. And we got two quarters in our pocket. And we say, well, you know what? I've prayed and I fasted a lot this year. I'm going to go up to the vending machine and knock on the inter- intergalactic God and drop in my prayer and my fasting. B2, I want a miracle. That is not how this thing works. When we pray and fast, we get God. And we get a revelation of who we are. Humility is really easy when you think about it. When you get a revelation of who you are in light of Him, humility just happens by proxy i am nothing in comparison to you and i am absolute need of you every single day and when we're in that position we wake up every day looking for manna god is there going to be grace out there oh yes new mercy today every single day there's new grace every single day there's new mercy i see i didn't know it was going to happen but yet there it is we will never get a monopoly on this unfortunately in the context of peace-filled grace there will always be an immature fallible group of people that will try to monopolize the manna no doubt the motives varied for each person one possibly thought I'll stash some back and I'll sell it to someone who needs it later I can make a living on manna while another may have thought there may not be any more tomorrow so I need to hoard it now to make sure I'm covered on the on the rough days and yet another may have thought to themselves if I show God that I'm a hard worker and i'm responsible and i'm the one out there gathering it maybe he'll show me favor over everybody else but at daybreak gracious God of equality would reveal that he holds the monopoly on manna. Not a false religious entity that would try to make a buck off of it, not the anxious who thinks it may run out, and not even the one who works harder than everybody else to earn it. He said, "You can't work to earn this. You can't do enough to get this. This is mine to give, and I'll give it liberally. You can't don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. It's going to be there tomorrow if you put your faith in me. Don't try to make a buck off of it. I'm going to give it to everybody. This isn't just for you to give. This is for me to give. I hold the right to grace every morning there was a new opportunity for every person in the camp and it was there for each individual need approximately 1500 years later though is all it took for them to forget about manna and i think this interesting that moses gets up and he preaches a sermon and he says you're about to go into a land where there's flowing milk and honey there's going to be grapes the size of watermelons you're going to have all the food you could ever want and i'm worried about you israel I'm worried that when you go into this land of plenty, you're going to forget about the fact that God rained down grace on you out here in the wilderness. I'm worried. And he said, please, whatever you do. In Deuteronomy 6, he says, please never forget the manna, how it rained from heaven. Don't forget about your shoes never wearing out. Don't forget that your clothes, you didn't even have to clothe yourselves. Don't, don't forget about all that stuff in the land of plenty. And here in North America, we stand Looking for more revelation when the greatest message that the world has ever heard has been preached. I'm afraid that the cross isn't enough for our intellect anymore. I'm afraid and I get frustrated that I feel the spiritual pressure sometimes to bring something new when the gospel is still beautiful. I feel the pressure when I'm asked to preach camps in different meetings and they look at me and they say, so what you got for us today? And I look at them and say, you're going to be real disappointed because all I got is good news. That's all I've come with today. What ha- I shouldn't even be preaching today. The greatest sermon that's ever been preached was on Golgotha's hill. And he says, this is all foolishness. But I'll use the foolishness of preaching. I'll use that because the cross won't be enough for some. So I have to send preachers to go and tell them about how wise this was that I did. And Paul says, the cross is foolish to those that are dying. It makes no sense to die for complainers, does it? God would not just rain down manna. 1,500 years later, in a dark hour, grace fell from heaven yet again. And it had no thunder, no earthquake, no whirlwind. He came as humble as a baby coming down. What kind of God robes himself in an infant? He didn't come down as a soldier. He didn't come down as a warrior. He came down as a baby. And only wise men can go and bow down to a baby. Only meek individuals can go and look at a child and bow down and say, this is the king, here it is, this is grace in our presence, this is Emmanuel, this is God with us. And Jesus would confirm this Prince of Peace identity when he said to them in John 6:32, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always, we're starving. Fill our bellies. And Jesus said to them, this is going to disappoint you. This is first grade. You're going to want something better than what I'm about to tell you. And you're going to be offended by this statement. I am the bread of life. I know you probably wanted a king. I know you probably wanted a soldier and all of his armor and all of his swords and weaponry. I didn't come to kill Rome. I come to die for Rome to kill the spirit that's killing them. I've come to die for you I'm the bread of life he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst he gave himself To harlots, to priests, teachers, lepers, blind, other ethnicities, other religions. Everyone got an equal portion of Jesus. Nobody got more, no one got less. Those who got him were the hungry ones. There was some who tried to monopolize grace when they tried to take up stones and kill an adulterous woman. And Jesus looked at the accusers and let them know, I hold the monopoly to grace, not you. You throw, don't you dare try to throw a stone. You don't have it to take from her. You can't take grace from her and you can't give it. I'm the one who does that. So those of you out there with no sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. That's what I thought because I hold the monopoly, not you. You are rotted right now and I can see the worms eating at your very soul because you're trying to monopolize something that happens every day from me. There was a centurion who had a sick servant and he quickly told Jesus that he wasn't worthy, that Jesus even come under his roof. And he says, no, no, don't try to only grab a fistful because it's going to weigh the same for you, Roman, as it did for the Jewish people. I'm going to give it even to you. There was a centurion that got the same amount of grace that the... Israelites got there was a Samaritan that got the same amount of grace that the Israelites got because everybody gets equal portion of Jesus why because he holds the monopoly and he's up in heaven spitting it out he's just saying it's for you 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 everybody who's hungry for it get up and go get it Peter tried to monopolize the man, and when Jesus told him he was gonna go die, and Peter looked at him and said, no, far be it from you, don't go die, that's foolish. And Jesus would immediately know. The cross is foolish to those that are dying, but those that know that they're dying will behold the cross and cleave to it because that'll be the only way to life. Those that are hungry taste and see that this grace that has fallen is very good. Simon the sorcerer tried to purchase it, and the, they looked at him and said, you can't buy this. God can only give this. This is God's free gifts. When the presence of God comes into a room, it comes with equal portion for every person. The preacher doesn't get more than the porn addict. They all get equal portions of it. The same is available to the saints as it is to the sinner. You can't earn it. You can't sell it. You can't hoard it up. And you're not too bad for it. Grace falls on everybody who needs it and realizes that they have to have it right now. Guess what? You may have been filled with the Holy Ghost for 30 years, and you came in here today needing it again today. Did you know that? when you wake up tomorrow guess what you're gonna need it again the moment you don't think you need grace you need to repent of arrogance and go back to the cross and begin to humble yourself and say God I am a wretch undone I need your grace today musicians come This is what Jeremiah was convinced of when he prophesied to an adulterous and sinful generation. He's lamenting over their sin in Lamentations 3. And he says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God, you never fail. Those Israelites got a firm revelation, though, of this free gift because the Bible says in Exodus 16 21, they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, because when the sun became hot, it melted away. This is what we need to get a revelation of. We live in a grace dispensation, we are in the grace period. Do you know what Hebrews 11 is actually all about? Where it's the heroes of the faith. It's people who made it without the grace that you and I have. And they're cheering us on and they said, if we made it, so can you. Because you've got more than what we got. You got Jesus. We didn't get that. We got manna. And we made it on manna. You can surely make it on Jesus. And so if they're cheering us on and testifying for us, what do you think they'll do when we get there and we didn't take advantage of Jesus and collect as much of him as we could get? They're going to look at us and say, I was cheering you on. Now I testify against you. I will now testify against you. How could I make it and you couldn't? This is the scariest passage of scripture to me. Because what this sounds like, it says when the sun rose up, that sweet, gentle thing that was given graciously to them, it melted away. This sounds an awful lot like 2 Peter. When they, when Peter preached to them, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. This is the people complaining again. Because the church is now about 30 years removed from the cross. And they said, You've been preaching the return of God for all these years. Where's the promise of His coming? They're complaining again. And peter stands up and he says he is not slack concerning his promises some of you think he's just lazy and he's just taking his time and just taking a stroll through heaven no he is not doing that he is long suffering actually he's giving us time he's giving us time to get this right he's giving us time to collect all the manna we can get he's giving us time to repent but the day of the lord will come he said as a thief in the night in which the heavens it'll be in the night when we think I'm just gonna wake up tomorrow morning there's gonna be more manna out there I'm just gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna walk outside and there's gonna be grace all out there again so I can live however I want to right now and so when I walk out my door there's gonna be new grace that is the present reality and I'm not advocating live however you want to And we're gonna cover that right here but this is what we get God's grace and long-suffering is here now he said He's going to come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. He didn't come with a great noise the first time. Because grace came the first time. The second time, the judge is coming. It's a whole different dispensation. The second time, there's going to be a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, Since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? He's not giving you a list of things that you should check off and do. He's looking at you and saying, if we have all this grace out here and it's covering this wilderness and we can grab it, why wouldn't you? What, what other conduct is there to walk out of the tent, us complainer, fallible people, and say, oh God, this is so good. You know where this was all birthed? Me in a position of time in my own life, as a minister, making mistakes, not praying as much as I should. I've been living this for 16 years now. I've been preaching the gospel. And just being a human. I remember going in and I was calling on the blood, and I was saying, God, I thank you for your grace. You're you're giving me grace today, and he was. But this is what God showed me. I had a vision of Jesus walking to the cross. And I saw the most gruesome sight I'd ever seen. God had to show me the horror of the cross. And I saw it, according to Isaiah, it said his flesh was beaten off the bone. He was not even recognizable, and I saw that. He turned and he looked at me and he said, I will go to that cross every day for you. I'll do it every single day. I will do it because I love you but why would you make me why would you make me go to the cross every single day was once not enough for you that's what Romans is trying to tell us it says we put him to open shame every single time we just go about sinning there is grace for your sin but we need to move on. That's why grace incarnate turned and looked at the accusers of the harlot, the adulterous woman, and he looked at them and he said, no, no, I hold the monopoly of grace. I'm giving her equal portion that I gave you. But then he turns and looks at her and says, please, don't sin anymore. Take this that I've gave, given you and go eat it and live off of it. This grace is sufficient for you. Look for hasten the coming of the day of the lord because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise we look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells i'm going to close right here this is what god told moses to do he said take a pot an omer of it put it put the manna in an omer pot two quarts of it take it and put it in the holy of holies where my presence is and so they did they took that pot and this is what God tells them. he says this will stay here for every generation you know where it was that manna was put under the mercy seat and under the mercy seat it was sustained while in every household it rotted overnight you know what that did that put us in direct need of a mercy seat if it's still sustained under the mercy seat but it's no longer in my home I need to go to the mercy seat to get more and so they would, with fervor and with passion, God, give me what I need today. And then they would go back, bring it to their kids and say, there's still mercy, it's still available. Let's live in it, let's cherish it. Let's savor every sweet bite. Let's, let's, for, let's make sure we cleave to the pure whiteness of this gift that's been given to us. Why do you think it was called the gift of the Holy Ghost? In Acts 2, what fell from heaven? It said the gift, the doreen, Do you realize there are seven Greek words for gift? This is where people, they combat all the time the difference between the gift of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians. Those aren't even the same Greek words. The Greek word in Corinthians is karas. It means a worked for gift. But Dorian, that's a gift that means you couldn't do anything to earn this. There's nothing you could ever do to deserve this. It's my daughter. She's alive today. She did nothing to deserve that. Me and my wife decided to have children and God gave us a child. She has the gift of life, the Dorian of life. She'll never earn it. But what I want my daughter to do is to be responsible with the life she don't deserve and did nothing to earn and I want her to be a good steward of her life and you know what? God will give a karas, a gift of the spirit because you have used the gift that you didn't deserve and you have savored it and you are using it appropriately I will now allow you to operate in the gifts of the spirit you want to operate in the gifts of the spirit? be a steward of the manna be a steward of this manna, this precious gift and so this is what I want to implore you to do I have no extravagance no strong pull for you I won't beg you and God's told me specifically he said don't give anything extravagant don't weep and cry don't do anything he said I want to see their hunger I'm gonna give them this message today to test how hungry they are for the elementary things I want you to run up here and I want you to get a full revelation that you need grace today I don't care if you've been in church for 30 years or if this is the past 30 minutes your first time All of us are going to get an equal portion of it. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to run to these altars. And I want you with every bit of hunger that you can muster up in your soul. I want you to lift up unworthy hands and say, God, you poured down on me that gift that I don't deserve. It's an equal portion to all of us. These altars have been open the whole service. I want people, hungry people. And I want God to hear a cry from down here in the wilderness. Those that say, God, today is a new day. Pour on me that mercy you hold the monopoly to the man i can't earn it i can't work for it you don't have to do anything for it today you don't have to bring him a resume you don't have to tell him well, god look what i've done i don't it doesn't matter how bad you've been what you've done in your past we all get the same measure today if this is your first time guess what it's for you you will get the same thing and god always gives it with proof physical manner rain down physical jesus Came in the flesh. Physical tongues fell down. You'll know that grace fell into the soul of the hungry. You'll begin to speak in a heavenly language. Lift up your voices right now.
4: God, I need that grace. Come
3: on, if you've been battling with some past sin, the mercy seat's got something for you today there's a family member in your life that you think is too far gone. No, that's not true. You can get grace today and bring it to them.
4: You've got children that have walked away. God's going to put grace in a
1: grandmother's soul, in a mother or father's soul, and you're going to begin to intercede on behalf of
4: a lost loved one right now.